Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello and welcome back to Crypto Sapiens. And today we are talking with Samantha Marin, author of the Quorum newsletter and core contributor in writing and communications at Aragon. Samantha recounts her discovery of DAOs as an early subscriber to Bankless and becoming an early contributor to Bankless DAO. She describes her experience working in a traditional startup, wanting equity in the project she was helping to build, and how being remunerated for her work at Bankless DAO and Bank, their governance token, was a monumental step in the direction of what she had been seeking. Of course, there are challenges with bounty pay too. She recalls times where she attended meetings, participated in retrospectives that added value to the DAO, but didn't see any compensation for it. She had to consistently produce articles and other tangible work to earn a sustainable income. We compare the flexibility of bounty pay versus the stability of salary pay. We also talk about the emergent structure in DAOs versus centralized organizations seeking to decentralize and the challenges in both. There is tons to unpack here. So without further ado, let's get started. I first got interested in crypto towards the beginning of the 2021 bull market. So I'm pretty recent into this space. Um, I was working at a very small startup at the time. And I was also kind of learning about crypto on the side, starting to you know, listen to the Bankless podcast and just hear more about the space. And then I was working at this kind of Web2 style startup that I wasn't super happy with. It was kind of a a classic startup story of like, you're working a lot, you're not getting paid a lot, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I asked the founder, um, I asked for equity. And I said, you know, if I'm going to make this my full-time thing, if I'm going to keep, you know, um, like giving a hundred percent of my working time to this startup, I feel like I need a lot more kind of stake in it. I need a lot more skin in the game sort of. And he basically flat out rejected me. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I need to leave this startup. And it wasn't that long after that I found Bankless DAO. And the first day I joined the Discord, I got tipped like four or five times on Collabland in bank tokens. And then that was that was my big light bulb moment of, okay, I just got skin in the game. I just, you know, it depends on who you ask on our governance tokens, equity, securities. That's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. But at that moment, for me coming out of a more traditional startup experience where I couldn't get any equity and then jumping into Bankless DAO and saying, okay, I can, I just, you know, people are sharing the pie. People are sharing the wealth. Um, they're welcoming me in. I already have stake in this project and skin in the game. And that was, that was kind of my Dow light bulb moment. So I 
kind of launched headfirst into Bankless DAO, was still doing some more Web2 Web two work as my primary um, gig and doing Bankless DAO on the side. And then I took the leap, let's see, when was this? Beginning of January of this past year to just do crypto full-time. Um, so I was in Bankless DAO and then in May of this year, I transitioned to Aragon full-time. So yeah, that's that's my story. That's wonderful. And I love to hear, I guess, the uh, how quickly you went from being crypto curious to just kind of taking that leap into a DAO because of maybe something that you heard within the Bankless podcast that then uh, helped guide you to the Bankless DAO and how through this uh, velocity, because I and I'm quoting this term because this was a term that was used a lot in the early days of Bankless DAO was increasing the velocity of bank, meaning we use this token to onboard more people, and tipping was a huge piece of that puzzle. Yep, and how that was a way that you felt recognized and allowed you to take ownership over certain things uh, that interested you within that DAO. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty incredible. I think I think the first couple people, so I, I joined the Writers Guild immediately. So I think it was Frank America, Nonsense, and um, Siddhartha. I think Frog was Writers Guild still at that point as well. Um, so those guys just, you know, sent me a couple bank on Collab Land. Um, and I was like, whoa, this is so different from anything in the traditional world I could possibly be doing. And so that was like the best onboarding I could have had. I feel like <laughs> just instantly gets a token that to me at that moment just had like so much weight um, because of where I'd been at that time. So yeah, it was a really quick, really quick kind of fall down the rabbit hole. But I feel like, I feel like that's the case for a lot of people in DAOs. So it felt, felt right. Yeah. I, I, I guess I would say the same thing. You know, I, I took, um, I guess, a stake in Bankless DAO to become a member when I first joined. Uh, my personal journey was I want to join all the ones that I can because I don't know what a DAO is, but I really am curious because, you know, there's this connection of people and ideas and values. And I really want to learn who's doing it right and what it is that they're doing that makes it right. And those that aren't, like, what is it that we can learn from that to improve and, you know, make a better ecosystem that is really driven by people? So I share your story in that um, while I, you know, kind of staked my bank early to be a, I guess they called it a level two member, um, I still was very much uh, participating in that tipping ecosystem, both in terms of getting remunerated for work, where I was like, oh my gosh, like I was doing this because I just really wanted to do it, but thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. kind of turning that back out and saying, well, thank you, and tipping someone else. And just really, that's the way that a lot of people's onboarding experience uh, started in the early days, I find. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something I miss most in Aragon compared to Bankless DAO, I think is the tipping culture because Aragon is still 
one foot in traditional organization, one foot in a DAO. And so we don't have the full like tipping culture there. And I just think that that makes Bankless DAO so unique. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I think there's, uh, I guess, at least a decentralization in the way that um, people can incentivize each other to contribute to the DAO. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so you talk a lot about DAOs and decentralization and organization in your uh, blog. And I do want to maybe just touch on just writing in general and what that means to you and maybe even how your writing has evolved since starting to contribute to DAOs. I'll, I'll just start by saying your blog is probably one of the awesomest blogs that I've ever re- uh, read. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, you know, quorumnewsletter.xyz for anybody listening. Uh, if you're not reading this, you're missing out, you know, because there is just so many interesting uh, topics that Samantha is exploring. And just look, I, I love good design. I think, I mean, who doesn't? Like, I don't think iPhones would exist if Good design didn't matter. Uh, So I think that the design also facilitates the uh, accessibility and the interest in some of the things that you're talking about. But then you go really deep on some of these things, on some of these topics. So can you describe just generally, like maybe if you were already doing some writing in your Web2 life, or if you you weren't, how did that start in Web3 and how has it evolved since then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I am trained as a writer. I went to college for writing. That was my primary skill set, I guess, just um, going into the workforce. Um, most of my internships and um, work and experience before crypto had some kind of writing edge to it, whether it was marketing associated or freelance or anything like that. Um, yeah. So writing has always been kind of my main, my main thing. Um, and then when bringing that into crypto, everyone knows that crypto is notoriously impossible to explain. And when I joined the writer's guild, I was like, okay, I'm going to start trying to explain some of these really hard things. So <laughs> I think my first article was trying to explain the concept of trustlessness because that was something that I'd always gotten hung up on at first. And so I was kind of trying to tackle these like more theoretical topics that we throw around a lot in crypto and kind of expect everyone to understand um, but then really break them down and help people understand them better. Um, so yeah, I started with more of that educational bend, I guess. And then I got more into kind of opinion piece writing pretty quickly, just because I found that more entertaining, <laughs> honestly, like I just liked it more, um, trying to advance an argument and just take a position on something. Cause one of my biggest gripes with media in the DAO and crypto space is that sometimes it's hard to find someone's position on something, you know, other than, other than the, the maxi thing, that's a whole different debate. Like if you're a maxi on X token or Y token, but when it comes to 
commentary on DAOs and the NFT space, I find that it's a lot of just um, describing what is there and kind of exposition, what we call it in writing. So just explaining what you see in front of you. But I don't see kind of that like opinion edge coming in. And that's sort of what I did. I mean, that's what I did in college. Like that was my, my edu- what my education was in. So my writing quickly became more opinionated. And then I, yeah, I just wanted to launch my own newsletter so I could write whatever I wanted, <laughs> honestly, and just kind of have ownership over it. So yeah, that's how, that's kind of the, how things evolved there. Yeah, you know, I think you bring up a valid point. I think I'll include myself in this. You know, I, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, not at fault for this, but it's hard to write opinion pieces when you don't have one. You know, so it, you really, I think, need to understand, uh, you know, how something functions and, you know, its impact uh, to to you as a, as, as a person, as the person who's going to be writing this to maybe a community that you represent and then making a statement, a bold statement about whether that is in alignment to who you are and, you know, your personal experience on the blockchain or if it doesn't and then challenging that. I think that that is, that is really hard because it, it expects you to be able to do many things. And so it's, it's really beautiful when we see people like yourself who can uh, digest the complexity of what is blockchain, what is crypto, what, is, what are DAOs, and then understand the nuance in the opportunities and challenges and describe them in written form and then present it to us in a nice, neat little package as your, your blog is, and then allow us to comment on that and have these conversations like what we're having today. So... I commend you for that. That is incredible that you're able to do all of that and then allow us to have these conversations that then just explore the positioning or that perspective. Yeah, thank you. Um, I also just kind of wanted to be able to get ideas out in a way that can be digestible faster because I find that so much of great ideas in Web3 are in audio. They're in Twitter spaces. They're, you know, exactly what we're doing right now. They're Twitter spaces and podcasts and YouTube videos. And that, like, I love that. I consume so many podcasts, like, huge, huge podcaster. But when it comes to, okay, I'm, say I'm kind of new to DAOs and I just want to Google around a little bit, like, okay, what is DAO governance? What is this kind of stuff? Sometimes it's like, they can't find those in-depth conversations because they're all in the audio realm. They don't find that, you know, it's so hard to find Substack articles. Like they're very hard to index and things like that. So that, that was another kind of sub goal of just bringing, bringing the more in-depth conversations to a written format as opposed to just having them in audio format. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I... I'll, I'll speak for myself. Like when I guess when I used to do a little bit more driving, the podcast is the first thing that I turned on in the car, second yeah. to the air conditioning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, and it's such a great way to digest information. But to be honest, like maybe now 
because I don't do as much driving, you know, working from home. And yeah, for, for the most part, that really changed the way that I consume content. And the written format has become a lot more attractive for me personally. And so, but it, it, there's still the challenge of, is this person writing in a way that it is incomprehensible because they're using technical jargon, right? Or they're not really digesting that to make it any more accessible than if I had just gotten to read that white paper or light paper, right? So, yeah, I think that this, this, is, this is tremendous. And so maybe we can now frame the discussion around your writing and exploration of the DAO ecosystem and maybe even uh, more so around Aragon. Yeah. Um, do you have a particular question on that or should I just kind of launch in? <laughs> well, I mean, like, we could do a little bit of both. Why don't we launch in just generally, like, what is it in the Aragon ecosystem that you maybe found the most challenging that people have uh, more questions about? Obviously, I think Aragon is one of these projects that's been around for a long time. It predates many of the DAOs that most of us know. And so, you know, what is it that maybe people are asking? And then how is it that you're facilitating that education and that kind of maybe new entry point to Aragon yeah. as a project? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aragon is a unique one. <laughs> it's a really, really fun place to work. Um, but I've learned so much in just the last couple months I've been there. Um, so yeah, Aragon's been around since 2016. So very dinosaur grandfather <laughs> in, in Dow. Dow years. Um, so I feel like a lot of the issues and um, like potential opportunities that I see coming out are um, like things that many DAOs and many businesses are going to go through eventually. So for me, um, a big thing is just how do you reconcile this like employee Versus contributor idea. So in Bankless, we were all very much independent freelancers, like very our own person. You know, you decide what you work on that month, and then that determines exactly how much you're paid. You're not paid based on a salary. Maybe you hold a role, and in that case, you're paid based on the hours that that role takes per week. So maybe you're getting like seven hours a week for a particular role. And then you're paid on top of that for the bounties you pick up. And so your pay is fluctuating like insane. Like I remember some months looking at, well, cause I was full time there for a while. So I remember some months coming in and being like, dang, you know, I didn't actually make that much that month, that month, but I feel like I worked a ton and then I go and look back. I'm like, oh, I was kind of sitting in all these meetings. I was messaging people a bunch, but I wasn't actually creating output that was valued in bank. And so then that month, maybe I didn't get paid that much. But I also would say, you know, I feel like I was still creating a lot of value because maybe I was in this retrospective where we talked about the future of a project I'm working on and the past of the project and how it can improve in the future. And so I felt like, I don't know, I felt like and then at Aragon, I am paid a normal salary, right? 
And I felt like at Bankless, a big kind of shortfall was the inability to make a full-time living there and to have to be kind of either constantly creating output you know, I'd have to be churning out tons of articles and content and keep getting paid for that. Or to have a bunch of other gigs and other DAOs to kind of make up for that. So, and then coming into Aragon, where it's very traditional salary, where you are, you know, you're not paid in bounties or anything. But then we're kind of saying, okay, how do we DAOify this a little more? Like, do we add in a coordinate? Do we, you know, X, Y, Z? Um, and so that big difference, it sounds like a small difference between, <laughs> it sounds like a small difference between like a full on decentralized DAO and kind of a half in half out DAO. But I think it really changes a lot. Um, and I mean, I prefer, I prefer the latter. I prefer the stability, but that's something that I feel like has been coming out in my writing a lot more of kind of trying to grapple with this instability that DAOs create for people working in them. So yeah, that, that was kind of a long, long thing. No, not at all. That was actually quite succinct. Um, so I think one thing that you are uh, revealing here is the maybe misalignment between contributors and DAOs and generally how those DAOs may be organized. And maybe this is just uh, you know, an issue with decentralized work, or this is an, an issue with structures within DAOs, right? Uh, but you know, one thing that I maybe picked up from here, and maybe I'm picking it up wrong, there's an expectation that, let's assume that the DAO is always a DAO, that there's a decentralized mechanism uh, under you know, uh, which it operates. Uh, but there is an expectation for commitment uh, so that you can earn a consistent salary versus maybe the freedom that you have without commitment to be able to earn bounties. Like, how do you, how have you seen, maybe because it seems like you've seen both, you know, the way that this freedom of contribution works at a, you know, project like Bankless DAO and how maybe more committed and uh, kind of uh, expectations of deliverables works uh, at a project like Aragon. What have you seen in terms of maybe opportunities to bridge the two, where maybe there's ways to allow for certain freedoms to individuals to contribute to a project like Aragon through bounties, but still allow for a committed you know, commitment to that project, say 100% commitment of your time, where you have a base pay, or maybe on the latter end, a project like Bankless DAO, which is maybe less structured uh, because it was DAO first, and it needs to now build up some sustainable uh, incentives for their contributors to be able to take on more commitment and a consistent pay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a such a tricky topic. I think the way to approach it is really just kind of concentric rings. So you have an internal ring of your core members who are paid a full-time salary, 
and maybe they get some kind of a token vesting schedule to reward them to stay long term because that was another thing that I kind of struggled with in Bankless style was just the constant in and out in and out in and out I mean <laughs> you guys know the discord channels of how there are people circulating constantly um and so I think some kind of for that core team have a salary a competitive salary and then some kind of vesting schedule and then it's sort of like okay as you move outward and more into the community as opposed to into as opposed to the core team when you're into the community you're doing bounties you're doing coordinate rounds um you're doing like really active tipping like i think it's more of a like a layered approach as opposed to black and white but as far as as far as actually implementing that i think that's like crazy hard you know um like implementing that in a way that everyone's happy with and everyone feels is fair um because i loved the um like the freelance vibe in bankless for a lot of reasons a big reason was because I was working a full-time job somewhere else. <laughs> so I had to be in Bankless like very much on my own terms, right? Like on times when I was able to be in it. Um, and so that worked for me in that stage. But as soon as I decided I wanted to be a full-time long-term contributor there, I was like, there's just not a place for me, really. And so I felt like I had to go somewhere else to make that like full-time living, you know, to be entirely honest, just like make money. Because <laughs> I think a lot of it really comes down to that. So yeah, I think that kind of layered approach, um, using a lot of the different cool tools that we have now, like Coordinate, um, is, is the way to go. Yeah, I personally, yeah, I agree with you. I personally like the idea of uh, building uh, through this, I mean, maybe some flexibility, Maybe that's the wrong word, but I'll go with it. Uh, some flexibility in terms of incentives through uh, a mixture of DAO native or Web3 native tooling. So personally, yes, so 100% fan of like the work that's being done over at Coordinate. I think the ability to recognize your peers, the ability to uh, kind of spread that uh, reward power to the fringes, right? Because... There's going to be some folks that are doing work that might not be visible to a core group of individuals. And if you're always expected for those individuals to recognize you, uh, to be able to get paid, then that's just not going to be a fair um, kind of solution. So, I, yeah, 100% like what they're doing. I think that there's definitely a few others that are building out some kind of incentive mechanism, even Collabland to a degree, you know, with tipping within a DAO Discord. I think that that's fun. But yeah, no, I think that there's definitely a bigger uh, kind of opportunity here in terms of how we can stake our uh, commitment, our time to a project and uh, get equity, right? Because I think that's what you were saying here. And in fact, you started the conversation, uh, this pod, with one of the things that you disliked about the Web2 uh, startup life was that you were putting in a lot of time and you probably weren't getting a fair pay and 
the only way that that would make sense in terms of the time and energy and value that you were creating is that you could get uh, a kind of a return on that time based on equity in the business. I think there's something, yeah, there's something there, I think, that also is true in a DAO. Like, I get it. It's a decentralized organization. But there should be a way to gain equity in a project. And is that financial or is that not? I mean, that could be governance power, right? Like, I think you also mentioned, like, in terms of, like, what is that token? Is the, is the token a governance token? Is it a security? Like, I mean, there's just so many other things to unpack, obviously. But I think that there's certain ways to consider equity in DAOs, um, you know, in terms of, like, how you are remunerated for your time and commitment. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, ownership, shared ownership is really the the thing that brought me into the DAO space. And so that, like, I think that is kind of the crucial, like, piece to never be able, like, I would not want to be part of a DAO that eliminates that idea. Um, I do think there are arguments, of course, for maybe not launching a fungible token, maybe doing an NFT and doing kind of like what DAO punks did with their launch. Um, and having having shared ownership of the project that way. But I think with any any DAO or any business becoming a DAO, like that is kind of where I start of okay, so how how can we use the blockchain to create some kind of shared ownership over this project that's not the old web two of like everyone's an owner kind of slogans. It's really ironic because the last web two job I had before going full-time crypto, one of their main values was that everyone was an owner. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> that's not true at all. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, it's a whole, whole can of worms to go into, but I think that like that ownership piece is, is still kind of what like lights the fire for me a little bit. I just want to recognize how important poll apps have been for our project and our community to recognize our community of listeners. I can actually track how many uh, people listen to our first pod when we first launched on Bankless DAO. So it is a nice metric to see the impact that we've made across the different channels that we've distributed to. And so I'm really excited to have Poaps back uh, as a another way to engage the community of listeners uh, of CryptoSapiens. Um, so to continue with the conversation, you know, one of the things that you wrote about in your article, Two Months at Aragon, uh, was about progressive decentralization and how scary that can be without the necessary safeguards. And I think one of the things that we've been talking about now is that kind of need to bridge the two worlds that Aragon currently lives in as a centralized organization, very much maybe just a Web2 business that develops software tools for Web3 to becoming a Web3 native organization as a DAO, for instance. So can you explain, based on your personal experience within Aragon, some of the, I guess, reasoning, and I think some of these you've already mentioned, but maybe reiterating some of the reasoning for wanting to 
become a decentralized organization. And maybe some of the uh, steps that they've taken in that direction, and maybe some of the reasons, if you wouldn't mind reiterating what you've written, in terms of why there needs to be a moment of pause to make sure that you're not doing things so rapidly that you actually could really cause a really big problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think my perspective on businesses transitioning into being fully decentralized has changed a lot uh, recently just because I've learned a lot about the things that you have to kind of worry about (laughs) beforehand. So Aragon, um, like they launched back in 2016. It was an ICO situation. And so the treasury um, was held in a multi-sig. And when it comes to transitioning a massive treasury of ICO money from many years ago, when it comes to moving that some into a permissionless, trustless smart contract, things get terrifying. Um, and I think this is a conversation, at least I was having a bit at Bankless Dow um, at one point, and I know it was something Frog had talked about a bit of, okay, do we want to uh, move away from a multi-sig structure and move toward, okay, we're going to have smart contracts at the center? Um, in that conversation. I don't know if it's still going on at this point there, but um, it just opens up this huge can of worms of, okay, how are you going to protect this treasury? How are you going to set up voting and governance so that the treasury is not easily attackable? You know, So for me, I think I just realized how high the stakes were for moving moving crypto, honestly, into a smart contract out of a multi-sig and trying to set up a system that prevents attackers from getting those funds when you don't have a group of trusted individuals holding it for you. So that's kind of the biggest learning, I guess, for me on kind of the time frame for transitioning businesses into DAOs. And um, like one of the things I really love about Aragon is we have so many DAO practices, um, which like, uh, let's see, I'll list a couple of examples, like self-managing, very um, like asynchronous, everyone's all over the world, like very similar to Bankless DAO in that way. Everyone works their own schedule, um, man, not really a manager type structure, more of a more of a a flat style um, organization where people kind of have their own like power and stuff like that. So we have all of that kind of like soft side set up, which Bankless DAO was also very good with. But as far as the actual like hard tech side that I've just really come to terms with how scary that can be (laughs) sometimes. Yeah, 100%. I think that, you know, there's definitely a lot to be cons- uh, considerate of in terms of, I guess, the decision in, in either way. Uh, whether you are looking for uh, ways to decentralize a project or maybe ways to uh, structure a project, right? Like, let's assume Bankless DAO was probably one of the most decentralized projects early, but 
it absolutely uh, would need maybe more structure. You also don't want to uh, add too much structure <laughs> where the uh, kind of the ability for contributors to jump around between, you know, guilds and projects is removed and is, uh, you know, kind of uh, slowed down. Because without that, then, you know, what is it, how is it that people can truly uh, participate in ways that uh, connect with them, right? So I think that that's interesting in terms of like maybe looking at it from both perspectives and taking uh, methodical approaches to addressing um, both of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it really gets me thinking of kind of how our, everyone's definition of what a DAO is, is so incredibly different. Um, Because when you really look at it, by a lot of definitions, Aragon's been a DAO since the start, you know, but it's just, we're trying to not have a group of signers on a multi-sig with the treasury and have it managed by the community via a smart contract. But if you'd written everything down on paper and showed it to me like March before I joined Aragon, I would say, yeah, they're already a DAO. (laughs) Like all their funds are in crypto. They, um, they're totally remote. They work all over the world. Like all of these aspects I've been like, I would have said that every aspect is already a DAO. Um, but it's just like everyone's definition is so different. And when there are different like sub organizations interacting with each other, um, which is kind of like bankless styles, guilds, you know, each guild is set up differently and that's kind of similar in Aragon, each kind of sub organization set up differently. So you could like argue about statuses of different sub organizations and sub DAOs and pods and all of that. Um, But as far as the overarching structure, getting the, um, like, I guess, Aragon's definition of a DAO into place is, yeah, is important. It's been taking a while, but it's fun. And it's also a big, big, big learning um, for me. And yeah, Bankless started, it's funny how you say Bankless started the most decentralized because it really, really did. Like, I think they just had a Discord server. I don't think there was any kind of structure. It was like a Discord server and a token. And then the structure emerged out of that. Whereas with Aragon, it's kind of like we already have a structure to a certain extent and we're kind of trying to alter structure. And so it's just like a totally different challenge and it's really, really unique. And that's a wrap. I truly hope you enjoyed this conversation with Samantha. She is an incredibly gifted writer who is tackling a lot of crucial topics, both through her blog and at Aragon. Many of the topics we discussed have inspired me to be more thoughtful about how we structure decentralized organizations and build incentive mechanisms. If you'd like to connect with Samantha, you can find her on Twitter at Samantha J. Marin and her blog at quorumnewsletter.xyz. And to learn more about Aragon, go to aragon.org and on Twitter at Aragon Project. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five star wherever you enjoy your podcast. It costs zero dollars, means the world to us, and helps others discover this content too. You can also find more conversations like this one by visiting our website at cryptosapiens.xyz. I look forward to reconnecting with you at our next discussion. 